At 100 years old, he's had a life. He was a bombardier in the Second Great War, a decorated war vet, a fireman for 30 years. But his greatest act? Selling poppies, day in, day out, for 50 years. Henry Sinkiewicz has crossed the century mark of his time here on planet Earth. For his service in World War II, he was awarded the Medal of Bravery for rescuing a fellow soldier from a burning building. Then after the war, he served his hometown of Syracuse as a fireman for 30 years. And for the past 50 years, he's been selling poppies. Not just any poppies, poppies with a purpose. Red poppies sold at a local supermarket to benefit war veterans like himself. They need to be taken care of, he said. The vulnerable among us need to be taken care of. And in Jesus Christ, we who are weak can find a strong one to rescue us in Christ alone. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story with you that's all about Jesus here on a Thursday. And this is day four in our series this week that we're calling Return to the Hiding Place with Corey Ten Boom. Corey had a lot to worry about. She made it through World War II, helping Jews hide out from the Nazis. She and her family finally were caught by the Germans and found themselves in concentration camps. Part of her life before living in a death camp was to help children who couldn't help themselves, some of them with special needs. She wrote about this in her book, and it came out of the moving Hiding Place movie as she was interrogated by a German officer. My sister and I held Bible classes. And we worked with retarded children. How would you work with them? We taught them about God. <coughs> what a waste. If you wanted converts, surely one normal person is worth all the half-wits in the world. In the eyes of God, one simple child may be worth more than... A watchmaker's daughter. Perhaps. But I know he keeps me always in his sight. You actually believe that? I believe that you are in his sight too, Lieutenant. Corey Ten Boom from the movie The Hiding Place. In a few minutes, we'll talk about Christ being our friend and how we are to come as little children to find the hope and help that we need under the direct circumstances of our lives. After the program, I want to invite you to get in touch with us and get your copy of a DVD that contains two movies, The Hiding Place as well as the sequel, Return to the Hiding Place. The first movie was produced by Billy Graham's Worldwide Pictures. It's a Christian classic. And then a few years ago, the sequel came out, telling more of the Ten Boom family story, as well as the young Christians around them who helped smuggle Jews out of Holland. It's about time that a new generation learns this story. And it's probably been a few years since you've seen the movie, if you even have. So why not see it again? In fact, see both of the movies, and we have both on DVD for your gift to the ministry. So call us after the program. Our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or our web address is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And there's something I've been wanting to share with you all week. At the same time that the movie The Hiding Place came out, a song came out by the very same name. It was a song that Corey Ten Boom really loved, and it was made famous by the late Paul Sandberg, who was a soloist 
here on our program, The Haven of Rest. I want us to listen now as we open this haven today with Paul Sandberg. In a time of trouble, in a time forlorn, there is a hiding place where hope is born. In a time of danger, when our faith is proved, there is a hiding place where we are loved. There is a hiding place, a strong protective space, where God provides the grace to persevere. For nothing can remove us from the Father's love, though all may change, yet nothing changes here. In a time of In a time of grief, there is a hiding place to give relief. In a time of weakness, in a time of fear, there is a hiding place where God is near. place, a strong protective space, where God provides the grace to persevere. For nothing can remove us from the Father's love, though all may change, yet nothing changes here. In a time of In a time of grief, there is a hiding place to give relief. In a time of weakness, in a time of fear, there is a hiding place where God is The late Paul Sandberg here on this haven today and the hiding place. I'd like us to turn to one of the Gospels and an account of little children and Jesus. And then I'd like us to see how that impacted Corey Ten Boom. I want us to go to Mark 10. And you've probably heard this before. I'll start with verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to his disciples, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then in verse 15, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. 
Isn't that precious from Mark 10? We should never underestimate the Lord's ability to teach. In her book, The Hiding Place, Corrie Ten Boom tells about the mentally handicapped that she taught before she was arrested by the Nazis and sent to a concentration camp. Her little class was made up of the kind of people Adolf Hitler wanted to do away with. He viewed them as inferior. Let's listen now to a little snapshot from the movie as she loved in the name of Jesus and taught those with minds that were like little children. Good morning. Isn't it Mr. Boom? Children, stop here. The watchmaker shop. Ten Boom, where's the Jurestraat? Yeah. You came for our radio. I wrote to my father. I told him about your shop. Who are those boys? Why are they being allowed to torment that man? They are young Dutch patriots. He was hurt to make public statements derogatory to the Reich and our Führer. They are expressing their indignation. Patriots. Who are these children? I teach a class. I tell them about God. At least I used to. This will be the last one. Thanks to your new directive concerning unauthorized meetings. Mr. Boom, the measures are temporary. Once all this is over, when order has been restored, then all the Aryan peoples will live together as brothers in our Reich. Men live together as brothers, only in the kingdom of our Lord, nowhere else. May we go. Children, children, come, come, have some cookies. Ah, yeah, <laughs> Frank comes running for the cookies. <laughs> I may not be able to be with you for a while. Ah, but Jesus will still be there. Always watching over you. You see, without Jesus, we are like this, empty. We can do nothing. But then Jesus fills us with his love. Then we are full. We can't do anything. We can't do anything. A little excerpt from The Hiding Place movie. Corey Ten Boom was teaching deep things about God. And one of the things she did was explain that Jesus was our prophet and our priest. She wasn't sure if they understood, so she asked them, what's the difference between a prophet and a priest? And one of them said... A priest faces God and talks about us, and a prophet faces us and talks about God. Now, that was wisdom worthy of a theologian, I think. And the best theologians understand that all we need is a simple faith, a childlike faith, a faith that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Do you remember how Jesus was so pleased that it wasn't the ones who thought they were wise— who got his message. It was the unimportant. It was the unlearned. They were the ones who got it. Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. How do we 
become like little children? That's a serious question. Jesus said that his kingdom was made up of people who were like little children. In Matthew 18, 3, he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to become like little children? Does it mean being small and weak? Does it mean being trusting? Does it mean being spontaneous? Does it mean needing a nap in the afternoon or throwing a tantrum when you don't get your way? What does it mean to become like a small child? I don't think we should impose our 21st century ideas back onto the time that Jesus was speaking into. In the first century, a child was an insignificant, weak member of society. Children were the lowest on the totem pole, the least important. That's what Jesus meant when he said, we have to become like little children. To become like little children means to humble ourselves, to lay aside our self-importance. It means doing what Jesus told the Pharisees to do. They were elbowing each other to get the best seat of honor at the table. Jesus said, take the lowest seat, and then the master will come and say, please come up here and take a better seat. Even the disciples in this story were full of their own importance. They were the guys close to Jesus, and he was obviously the man of the hour. People were trying to get to him, and the disciples had the very important job of being his gatekeepers. They got to decide who was important enough to take up his valuable time. And children were too insignificant. They didn't make the cut. Jesus had heavyweights lined up waiting to see him. Rich young rulers, Pharisees, Romans. But Jesus insisted on seeing the children. He was reversing the world's idea of who's important, who's significant, who matters. And he took the opportunity to explain that his kingdom is made up of people like this. People the world thinks are unimportant. It was perfect timing because the disciples had just been having an argument themselves over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Luke 9, 46 through 48, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. And then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. Isn't that great? In Christ's kingdom, the least is the greatest. In the kingdom of the world, the greatest is the greatest, right? On American Idol, once you're voted off, you don't really count anymore. It's the winners who get all the attention. That's the way the world works. What matters is who makes the decisions, who wins the game, who gets the award, who has all the money, who rubs elbows with the famous, and who wins the nomination and the election. The world has its arenas of significance And that's where you find the really important people, right? Wrong. Those disciples were assuming the kingdom of God worked the same way as the world. And they wanted to be the really important ones. They didn't get it. Now, they would later, but they didn't then. Jesus says, that's not how it works in my kingdom. In my kingdom, it's the very least who are the greatest If you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to welcome little children. You have to concern yourself with the ones the world considers the least important. And Jesus is telling us that the arenas of significance in his kingdom are wherever you find the marginal people. 
the unimportant, insignificant people. He's telling us, that's where I will be. When you care for these little ones, when you treat them as important, then you will be doing it to me. We humble ourselves and we become like little children when we step away from the spotlight where the world thinks all the action is and devote ourselves to the people the world considers nothing. And Jesus notices that and he says, you have done it to me. Another gospel with the same story, Matthew 18, 1 through 4 says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says we have to change and become humble like a child. We have to give up our self-importance. How can we do this? Well, the cross is the great humbler. It shows us what we are. We can't enter the kingdom without being humbled by the cross. And if we keep seeing ourselves in light of the cross, humbling ourselves as a little child, we'll keep taking the lowest place at the table. And that's how we make our way to Jesus. Humble me, help me be in a right place with you. Where I look in your face and I'm touched by your grace and I see you for who you
Humble Me by Sherry Kagi here on this Haven Today. Return to the Hiding Place, a series on Corey Ten Boom. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. And I am so thankful that we've had this time together to look at a little bit of scripture that we sometimes overlook, even though we all know it. But as we close, I want everyone listening to hear Corey describe with her Dutch accent what those first days in the camp were like for her. She was in solitary confinement due to an illness. She felt utterly alone. Perhaps for the first time in my life, I was really alone. And I knew my life was completely in the hands of the enemy. They could kill me or torture me. Or just forget me altogether. There was no one to know. At night, the sounds of distant bombs penetrated the thick walls. And the muffled cries of people being tortured by the Gestapo. That was a little bit of hell. I tried singing, but the guards pounded on the door for silence. They threatened to take me to the dark cell. In the dark cell, you had to stand in water. Time became a very thick thing to have to wade through. There was a possibility each moment of the day and night that he would come for me whenever I heard footsteps outside my cell. I would ask myself, do they come to torture me, to kill me? Once I stood with my back against the wall of my cell, with my hands spread out as if I would push it away, and I was that scared. And then I said, Lord, I'm not strong enough to stand all this. My faith is not strong enough. Then I saw an end. I had seen for days roaming over the floor. I had just mopped um, the floor with a wet rag. The moment the uh, end felt the water on the stones, he ran to a little hole in the wall. He did not stop to look at the wet rag or his weak feet. He went straight to his hiding place. Cory, don't look at your faith. It is weak like the tiny feet of that end. Don't think of the possibilities of those cruel people. I am your hiding place. And you can come to me like that end disappeared into the hole in the wall. And for the first time there came a real peace in my heart. I was 53 years old then. I'd always known about Jesus. And now in solitary confinement I had started to really know that his light is stronger than the deepest darkness. In her own words, Corrie ten Boom. Now, wasn't that an inspiring story? She and her family faced great challenges, yet they did great things for God's kingdom. They were, of course, discouraged much of the time. But Jesus was always with them in the darkest of those times. You and I need to be reminded of these kinds of true stories to give us hope and to help us live boldly for Christ today. I want to send you both The Hiding Place from Billy Graham's Worldwide Pictures 
as well as the sequel made a few years ago called Return to the Hiding Place. Get a double-sized bowl of popcorn. Invite somebody over. Get your family together. Watch this double feature. Make it a movie night. Our producer recently did this with his family, and it led to some great conversations about trusting in the Lord, even in the face of adversity. You just need to call us right now and make your gift and ask for The Hiding Place and return to The Hiding Place on the DVD that we have. The number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit us online and watch excerpts from the movies. Here, Corey herself on some videos and blogs that we share, and then make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And by the way, if this program is a blessing to you, if you regularly listen, why don't you pray about becoming a Haven partner? That's somebody who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly every month. And if you want, by joining, we would love to offer you a study Bible, either the ESV or the NIV, to help in your spiritual growth. Ask about it when you call or read about it online, Becoming a Haven Partner. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When on Friday, together, we'll again share the great story, the story that's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Thanksgiving dinner, you can almost taste it, can't you? Turkey, stuffing, cranberry sauce, pumpkin pie, and that's just scratching the surface, no doubt about it. At Thanksgiving, we eat, and sometimes it feels like we won't need to eat again for a week. We look forward to feasting, don't we? It's always been that way. In the Bible, feasting was another word for blessing, like famine was another word for curse. And that's why Isaiah 25 is so rich. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. That's what Jesus earned for us. Will you be feasting with him one day? You'll see Jesus more clearly through time in God's word. Visit GetAnchor.com.